Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. Well, tonight we have a, uh, a treat for you. I have a lineup of preachers. They're going to bring about five minutes each, except for the last one. I've given her ten minutes. And uh, I have a very special guest here tonight, Miss Jamika Russell, uh, Tuggle, Russell, Jamika Tuggle back here. Uh, was one of my, I would say, the top preacher in our preaching labs and homiletics this semester. So I've asked her to, to come and, and bring us what she brought there because it is powerful, really powerful. And I'm looking forward to you hearing from her tonight. But we're going to start off right with Pastor Heather, my lovely wife. I'm glad he didn't make me follow the best preaching lab he's had this year. That was very kind of him. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 14, verse 28. Give you a second. That's Luke chapter 14, verse 28. Or the kind people in the back might get it on the screen. Luke 14, 28 says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost where he has enough to finish it? In this passage of Scripture, Jesus is not talking about building a physical structure or a building. He's talking about building a life of significance. Um, for those of you who have been living under a rock, our society has gotten uh, to the place where we're more and more, we don't like to be accountable or responsible for those things in our life that don't go exactly like we planned for them to be. We like to be, we like to, you know, take responsibility for the successes, we'll even take responsibility for other people's successes or kind of make up successes. You know, that's what social media is. You can just put anything up there and make people believe stuff, right? But we don't like to take responsibility for the things that don't go right. You know, and uh, you've all known people going through a divorce and uh, the only, their only part in it is that they made the decision to marry the worst human on earth. And we're even training our kids this way to some degree. We're, you know, our kids get in trouble at school and we run up there and wonder why the, ki- why the teacher is obviously picking on our child for no reason. You know? But this scripture, but this scripture talks about building a life of significance and counting the cost and then being willing to pay the price. So we expect the world to somewhat be that way, but then we come into the church and we start hearing, it sounds a little bit more like this. You know, I've been praying a lot longer and a lot harder than Charlie has, but he got his healing and I still haven't gotten mine. It must not be God's will to heal everybody. Or I have worked so hard for that promotion and even though I get to work late every day and leave early, I still do twice as much work in the six hours I'm up there than those people who work all day. I don't know why I'm not getting the promotion. I know none of y'all say things like that. It comes with a lot of comparison. Really, we compare ourselves to our brothers and sisters in Christ and think about what our faith in God should look like, what it should be developing. And there's a reason that the word comparison ends in the letters S-I-N. Because it's sin to compare yourself to those around you. And your faith in God shouldn't be dictated by what someone else is experiencing or not experiencing. Your faith in God should be dictated by the Word and the Word alone. So, 
When you're trying to build something in your life, count the cost and decide what price you're willing to pay. Years ago, I heard Pastor John say something, and in and of itself, this statement probably won't be as revolutionary to your life as it was to mine at the time, but he said, the devil can't read your thoughts. God can read your thoughts, but the devil can't. But the devil can place thoughts in your mind. Well, at the time, and this is going to give away that it was a few, more than a few years ago, but at the time, I was a fairly new mom. I had only two small children, and I had never before dealt with fear of any substantial kind. Never had fear come on me. But after you're a mom, boy, let me tell you, all sorts of fears can come up in you if you let them. Well, when Pastor John said that, I thought, okay, I've been dealing with this fear. Obviously, those are thoughts that, that the enemy is giving me. And if I don't say anything about them and I don't act on them, he doesn't know that they're effective. And I, he doesn't know that they're bothering me. And so my first thought was, I'm never going to speak out those fears. And I'm never going to do anything about them. I'm never going to start acting in a way with my children to let him know that those things he's speaking to me are taking root in my life. And I decided that day I wasn't going to do it. And guess what? I was pretty successful at it because for years I had people tell me, you're just not afraid of anything, are you? And I would laugh because those same thoughts that those ladies were having about being fearful over their children were coming into my mind, but I wasn't letting them come out of my mouth and I wasn't acting on them. And from that day forward, I decided, and I'm not saying I've always been perfect at it, hear me, but from that day forward, I decided I was going to build a life free from fear over my children. And to this day, I remind myself of that day that I decided to build that life. And whenever a thought creeps in to have fear over one of my children, I say, uh-uh, I'm not entertaining that thought. And let me tell you, when you don't talk about those thoughts and you don't act on those thoughts, they're a lot easier to get rid of. So decide today what things are you going to want to build significantly in your life and decide that the cost is worth it and the price is worthy of being paid. Amen. And take the, the brunt, okay, of that. And No, really, I, I'm just going to piggyback on what, on what uh, you were going to say um, because the Lord um, was speaking to me somewhere along the same lines. We, did we discuss what we were going to talk about tonight? All right, good. We didn't. There's a scripture in Romans chapter 10 that says, um, for the scripture says, verse 11, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Whoever believes, now, so the Apostle Paul is quoting Isaiah, the prophet, and Isaiah chapter 28, actually, verse 16, it says, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Will not act hastily. Will not act hastily. Which means faith... Inaction is free of worry. Because worry is a misappropriated urgency. The urgency that we have as believers, the only urgency that is on us is to believe. 
to not act hastily on whatever we're experiencing in life. The temptation is there. I've done it. It's never, it's never fared well for me to act hastily. You know, I have a friend who pastors a church in uh, Royce City, Pastor Brian Sparks. Before he was a uh, pastor, though, he was a fireman and paramedic. And I asked him one day, he had been working there maybe, I guess maybe five years or so. He had, he had uh, been a fireman. And I asked him, I said, Brent, because he talked, he would share with me some stuff, ambulance runs and stuff they would do. And I finally just asked him one day, I said, let me ask you a question. Could you, you think you could give me a rough estimate as to when you get an ambulance call, how many of those people who called the ambulance actually need the ambulance? This guy's laughing because <laughs> he's there too. He said, he said, conservatively, I would say probably 4% they actually need the ambulance. He said, but we respond every time because to them, they need it. And so what we do is a lot of times just go there and ease their minds. Just our presence there eases their minds. Whoever believes will not act hastily. And the tendency in life when things are seeming out of our control is to worry, to fear, to react, rather than to just chill and believe. Hold on to your faith. Because when you believe... You will never be put to shame. God will never, ever, 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 ever let you down. His word will not return void like Abraham who believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. You stand on your faith and be fully persuaded that whatever God has promised, he will perform it. And now it is my privilege to... uh, ask one of our esteemed board members, Mr. Steve Bolden, to come and share a word with you. I was going to start out tonight with a joke, but... uh... Juana told me I better just stick with the message. (laughs) Which I said, you're not my boss. (laughs) And she reminded me what Dr. Holler said about Heather last night. So... Anyway, about six months ago, Tuana and I moved from one house to another. And uh, before the move, I was going through my desk trying to uh, take the stuff out that really didn't need to make the move. And I came across some uh, gift cards from Home Depot and Sears and that I, I forgot was in there. And I began to wonder how much merchants make off of gift cards that don't get redeemed. But you know what? I found the answer. 
I looked one line and an accounting company called uh, CEB estimates a billion dollars per year goes uh, on unused gift cards. And now for all you Starbucks enthusiasts, <laughs> they, uh, they do a lot of gift cards. And they estimate that they have a billion dollars worth of gift cards on their books. And they estimate that $39 million of that will never be used. So, so where am I going with this? As God's children, you've been given a gift card. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 11. Now the, uh, uh, the uh, New Living uh, Translation says, A spiritual gift is given to each of us that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirits give great faith to another. And to someone else, the Spirit gives a gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether uh, a message is from the Spirit of God or another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is be being said. It is the one and the only Spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides the gift each person should have. Then going on down to 1 Peter 4.12, I mean 4.10 and 11, it says, as each of uh, has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Uh, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Now, notice how both of those verses started. Paul writes, a spiritual gift is given to each of us that we can help each other. And Peter says, uh, as each of us has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Both uh, Paul and Peter acknowledges that the Christians received a gift or a talent. Um, and so God's love has been uh, deposited in your life. His salvation brings us forgiveness and healing and so much more. Jesus has done so much for, for you that sometimes, like that gift card, we end up putting it in a drawer and forgetting about it. Uh, Jesus, uh, and this has been taught here several times, Jesus has been made sin that you would be made righteous. You know, Jesus took the stripes on his back that you might be healed. Jesus was made poor that you would be rich. Jesus was cursed that you would be blessed. And Jesus was made the son of man that you would be the son of God's. Now, if that's not enough for you, 
God's given you spiritual gifts that enable you to share God's love in specific ways. Today, I just want to encourage each and every one of you, don't leave them in the drawer. You know, what you do with your gift is your gift to God. Well, that's a good word. I'm also going to go look through some drawers and find some Starbucks cards, too, maybe. And go get those things redeemed. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Great word. All right. Now it is time. And I warn you, because you never know what's going to happen when this guy gets a microphone. <laughs> Carl Van Wye, would you please come? Thank you, kind sir. Well, I don't know either. I was going to tell a joke, but then Tawana called me and said, Carl, no jokes. And I was like, Tawana, why are you calling me? <laughs> okay. So uh, real quick, so just in case you don't know me, I am the assistant to the kids' pastor. It is a really cool job. It has some cool benefits. And I'll, no, there's little kids. I can't tell you. But uh, uh, I want to share something really quick, okay? <clears throat> so one thing that I believe in is I believe that when it comes time to receiving correction from the Lord. Oh, I always forget that clock's up there. Oh, it's so bad. Um, that sometimes a spoonful of medicine, wait, sugar, helps the medicine go down. So sometimes I like to get you laughing. So that way, when you're laughing, you're not going to notice that I'm going to spiritually punch you right in the gut. <laughs> At least I feel like that's what Jesus does with me. So, <laughs> Okay, but first of all, Jesus loves you guys so much, okay? And if he loves me, he really loves you. So, okay, so I want to talk about something that's really serious. Uh, let me just, just want to see what that felt like. Okay, serious. The spirit of ADD, Okay. Where's all my ADD folks on, out there? Okay, all right, yep, I see you guys, okay. I, actually, I'm not allowed to ask you that. I just violated a bunch of HIPAA laws and privacy. I'm so sorry, it's, it's scratched from my brain. <clears throat> so, but, oh man, wow, that flies really quick when you look at it. So, side note, <clears throat> when I was little, you, didn't, you weren't allowed to have ADD, okay? They would just spank it out of you, and then the idea about getting medicine, they're like, no, you're costing me way too much. You're out of the family. So, okay. <laughs> I live by the same rules. So, sorry, Savannah. Sorry, Jara. <laughs> Pearl's another. She gets... Okay, anyways. <laughs> All right, the spirit of ADD. Let's... The spirit of ADD, okay? <clears throat> I want you to have the spirit of ADD. A, advantage. D, direction. And D, dwells. And you can say it like that, like dwells. Like this is powerful. It is. John 16, 7. For the sake of time, I'm only going to say the scriptures once or twice, okay? I'm going to break a few protocols, but I'm like, I break a lot of protocols. So, <laughs> uh, it, John, John 16, 7 says this. <clears throat> Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, 
I will send him to you. All right, for my old school Bible folks out there, the King James Version says it is expedient. The Greek word of that is simfero. In case you don't know how to speak Greek, just pretend you're speaking Spanish. I like to do it, simfero, mi amor. I also pretend I'm speaking Spanish to a beautiful woman. So <laughs> it keeps my Bible times really interesting. Oh, and Jesus loves me. Um, but this word, for real, simfero, uh, means to bring together, to be an advantage, which is why New King's translation would use that, and then also profitable. Hmm. So four years ago, wow, I'm going to get like one point. <clears throat> it's okay. You said five minutes or so, so <laughs> we'll, take, we'll take our liberties. <laughs> um, we won't. Just kidding. Uh, four years ago, I was managing two clients. So I had Family Dollar, and I had another client called Marmax. Marmax is the parent company of Marshalls and TJ Maxx. And they were uh, testing out our security systems and seeing if they liked us. <clears throat> so they were growing, and the pilots were getting a little more intense and in-depth, and they said, you know what, we probably need to split this off to two account managers. They said, Carl, which one do you want? And I said, well, both have huge potential. Family Dollar had 8,000 sites. Marmax didn't have as many, but their stores are bigger, a more intense system with more cameras, which is cool. And, uh, <clears throat> and I didn't know what to do. So I just said, God, what, what do I pick here? They're giving it up to me. So I felt peace about Family Dollar. So I said, I'm going to stick with Family Dollar. So six months later, they liked our system, and they said, we want to buy 80 systems with you guys. Great. Six months later, Marmax hated our system and canceled every contract they had with us. The Holy Spirit brings you the advantage to prosper. Let me do one more. One more. <clears throat> John 16, 13. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. One more. John 14, 25. But the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said. His guidance and his teaching gives us direction. Eleven years ago, I met CFNI. Yes, I actually went to Bible school <laughs> and graduated. And uh, this beautiful Hispanic woman asked me to come to a prayer and fasting event. Oh, by the way, I thought you was optional. Like, you either picked, yes, I'll pray for 40 days or I fast for 40 days. I didn't know it was both. <laughs> Which is probably why some of my prayers didn't get answered. So I want to help you spiritual ones, pray and fast, okay? It's not either or. Um, so, per, so this beautiful Hispanic woman asked me to go to this event. She's like, hey, we need a sound guy. I was like, hey, I can run sound, and I like beautiful Hispanic women. And uh, so... She conned me into going to this prayer and fasting event at Bible school, which I probably should have been at anyways. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, anyways, so little did I know, God kind of set me up that night and actually started getting into it. And strangely, uh, we started praying for kids, and I have a little compassion for kids where, you know, people are taking advantage of them. And I started praying like this wild, crazy prayers for kids. It was like, I think it was like at midnight. <clears throat> Anyways, to say all that, the beautiful Hispanic woman that I was courting at the time, we don't date at CFNI, we're like, hey, you want to get married? Because it's either you or Carrie Job. so <laughs> what do you want? 
<laughs> For those who don't know, Carrie Job was this really pretty worship leader at the time. Um, I'm still not sure why she didn't pick me, but it's cool. <laughs> it wouldn't have worked out anyways. Um, <clears throat> but this woman who I was dating was Pearl, and she was praying about if she should marry me and if we should uh, take this further, which one I was like, wait, you had to pray about this? <laughs> I was like, I knew right away. That's the one. <laughs> and so, but guess what? She was praying about it. The Holy Spirit gives you direction for your life. There's the title, okay? <laughs> um, if you want to start living, then let him start leading. He will lead you, and he will, leave, he will help you live the life that he wants you to have. And I speak here for Pearl. This was the best decision she ever made. You want to clean up all that, Brian? All right, let's give our One Cause Irving pastor, Brian, a big hand. All right, we're going to be in the uh, book of Philippians, uh, starting, uh, it's chapter 4, verse 10, uh, and we'll, we'll kind of bounce around a little bit, but Philippians 4, 10 is where we'll be. There's an interesting uh, expression uh, you guys may be familiar with, eke out a living. Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and continue the theme here. Uh, Steve was talking about gifts. I want to talk about giving, right? Um, and, and this is actually not uh, pastors asking for my money. This, this isn't about that at all. Um, and I want you to hear me on that, okay? This is, this is not about that at all. There's, a, there's an expression, eke out a living. What's interesting is what we think of it, what we think it means is actually not what it means at all. Uh, the word eke is, is a very old English word, and it actually means to add to. That's what it actually meant. And so it, it actually meant to add to your living circumstance so that you wouldn't have to try to stretch your means as much, right? That you needed to eke out a living, you needed to add to your living. And in fact, uh, eek was a word that was commonly used. If you had an eek name, uh, you had an additional name, and that eventually got turned into nickname. Um, so that's what that meant. Uh, we've turned it into something else entirely, haven't we? The, uh, if you're a coin collector, you'll be familiar with the Fugio coin. It's a very rare coin. Uh, it was actually minted by Benjamin Franklin, who had a different idea altogether whenever it came to money. If you look at your coins and you look at your dollar bills today, you will see in God we trust at the bottom. Benjamin Franklin, it's called the Fugio coin because he had the word Fugio on it, which meant to flee or fly. And then at the bottom, it said, mind your business. And most of the time, whenever it comes to money, that's our attitude, right? Mind your business. What are you talking to me about this for? Right? Mind your business. What Benjamin Franklin actually meant with Fugio and mind your business was you need time flies, so put your mind on your work. Work harder. Right? Either way you look at it, it's a really corrupt mentality. It is. Either this is mine and this is my own private affair and nobody needs to bother me about this, or I've got to work and I've got to strive to eke out a living. Right? And those are the two mentalities that we've adopted. Alexis de Tocqueville, whenever he came over to study the American Revolution for the French in his book, Democracy in America, said, it's a strange thing to watch these people because of the pride they have in their work. It is their status. It is their power. Their work becomes who they are. And he was actually marveling at it. But it's a problem when we have a mind-your-business mentality because an in-God-we-trust mentality can change everything. 
and an in God we trust mentality is completely different. Mind your business says, I really just hope I have enough for me and my own. When in God we trust says, no, I am blessed and I will be a blessing, right? A mind your business mentality says, well, you know, I just, I just hope, hope that God, you know, looks down and, and shows me some favor today because it's another day and another dollar. Whenever, and in God we trust mentality says, no, his mercies are new each day. And I will rejoice because this is the day the Lord has made. Let me be glad and give thanks for it. And in God, we trust mentality can change everything. So when we go to Philippians 4.10, that's what we see Paul talking about to the church that has been the most faithful church in giving to his ministry. So when he talks to them and he's giving them this message, he's not telling them anything they don't know. They know this. They know about giving. But he says, I want to keep telling you about it because it's... When I talk to you about giving, it's not about me, it's about you. When you give, it's not about the person you're giving to as much as it is about what you are giving from. And when you give, you are connecting with the from, not the to. And if you can keep in mind that you are giving from and not giving to, you will keep giving and keep giving and keep giving. And that will keep you open to keep receiving and keep receiving and keep receiving. And you will continue to be blessed and be blessed and be blessed. And so that's what he's talking about in 410. And Paul says this, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly now that at last your care has flourished again. Though you surely did care, it wasn't that you didn't care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in, in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned to be both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Then I want to skip down to 17 and he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Here's what Paul is saying. I don't need it. I don't need it. Because I'm good. God takes care of me. I've been in Lydia's swank mansion, right, living the high life. And I've been in chains. I'm going to tell you right now, I've been happy in both places. I don't need your gift. But there's opportunity here for you to give when you see my need or what you think of as my need. There's opportunity for you. And so when I tell you to give, it's not because I need it. It's because you need it. You need to give. You need to be reminded of how good your God is. You need to be reminded of how much he gave for you. You need to be reminded of how blessed you are. You need to be reminded and connected with the prosperity that you have because all promises in him are yes and amen. You need to remember who you are. That's why you need to give. And then he ends with this, and he says, I tell you this also that it would abound to your account. And the word account there is actually logos, which means I'm telling you to give because this is going to improve your testimony. This is going to improve your word. This is going to improve your account. It's a testimony of God's goodness in your life when you give. And then he says this in 19, and we all know this, for I know my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. I dare you to give. Because there's no way you can outgive him. I dare you to give. Because I know my God's going to take care of you. So you be blessed because you give. You remember who you are. And you do what you do in this earth which is rule. Take dominion and be prosperous and multiply.
Um, I asked to introduce the next guy because uh, I've been known to give Jeremiah a little bit of a hard time over the words that he makes up when he's preaching, and so I just want to, I'm guessing he wouldn't have noticed this on his own, but just in case somebody at the back told him that I spelled comparison, I said it ended in, I meant to say that it ended in sin, and I said S-I-N, and obviously we know comparison is not spelled that way. So before he gets the opportunity to pick on me, I just wanted to come clean. So uh, now my favorite Cajun can come and bring his word. Amen. Aren't you glad we have pastors that can admit they're wrong, stand up and just thank you for leading us. I'm going to continue to talk about giving because me and Chase counted it in the back. And uh, they called me back up here to do offering again. So we're going to have to pass the offering envelopes. Who wants one now? Who, who wants? Nobody. All right. All right. All right. We're going to. All right. Homiletically, let's start with the verse. Psalm 66, verses 19 and 20. But verily, God hath heard. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be to God who hath not turned away my prayer nor his loving kindness from me. I've probably said it once or twice in my life and I'll admit that I was wrong and maybe you can join me today. Have you ever said, I don't think God's ever answered my prayers? Or I prayed something and he didn't answer. I'm trying to figure out, God, if you care about me or you know what's happening in my lives. And when I pray, I don't feel like you've answered me. You see, Boudreaux and Thibodeau were standing outside of a building at work and they're looking up at this long flagpole. And all these people are driving by as they're just staring at this empty flagpole. And finally, this woman just stops and gets out and she's standing next to him looking up and says, what are we looking at? She said, well... Our boss told us we had to measure the pole, but we don't have a ladder to climb up and measure it. So the woman walks to her car, and she pulls out a bag of tools and a measuring tape, and she lays it down, and she unscrews the bolts around the flagpole, and she brings it down, and she lays it down. She gets out the measuring tape, and, and she measures it all the way, and she says, it's 19 feet and 6 inches, and she takes the pole, and she stands it back up, and she cranks the bolts all back together, and she grabs it, she puts it in her car, and she drives off. And Boudreaux and Thibodeau are just standing there, still looking at the pole, and Boudreaux looks over to Thibodeau and says, typical woman, we asked for the height, and she gave us the length. <laughs> I'm here to tell you that God answers your prayers, but sometimes in our mind, we get thought with the idea of God has to answer it according to plan A. I need money, so God's going to give me the numbers for the lottery, and that's all you're looking at. God, give me the numbers for the lottery. Give me numbers for the lottery. But God has shown up, and he's given you a job, and he's given you a church where people have blessed you and taught you about giving and taught you about being ADD and taught you about all these things, about moving in the faith of God, and you sit there and say, well, I need to be healed, and I can only be healed in this way, and God's brought doctors into your path, and he's taught you these teachings about how to be healed and scriptures to stand on, because it says in the scriptures that 
he, verily God, hath heard and hath attended to the voice of your prayer, who has not turned away your prayer, nor with his loving kindness. He loves you. He's taken care of you. And if there's a God who could stand on the edge of the universe and say, light be, and tree grow, and animals show up, and man grow, that God is a good God who will show up from plan A to plan Z. And if you would step back outside of your mind and look, I guarantee you that God has showed up time and time and time again. And if he showed up once, he'll show up again. So keep praying, keep believing, keep standing in faith. Because my God answers prayers, and he'll answer yours. Man, that mic's on fire. And the Saints got Adrian Peterson, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, Jeremiah? I want to tell you something. I've heard that joke before, but I've never heard it told that well. That was awesome. And speaking of jokes, uh, Pastor Everett uh, sent me one. And he, no, Tawana didn't call me. What do you call a, a cow with an? What do you <laughs> what do you call a cow with a nervous twitch? Beef jerky. That's from Pastor Everett with love. Thank you, Jeremiah. Okay, last but certainly not least. This has all been good tonight, right? Have you all been very encouraged? Now we're going to put the cherry on top of this baby, all right? It is my privilege now to have Miss Jamika Tuggle come and share the word with you. Would you please give her a big one-cause welcome tonight? Tell them where you're from first. Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, pastors Eric and Heather, for letting me come and speak to you guys. Uh, well, let's begin. If you'll open your Bibles to 2 Timothy 2.22, there's a popular quote that goes, not all who wander are lost. We expect those that are lost to wander. But the enemy has tried to deceive us as believers into thinking that just wandering through your life is okay. But this is a lie. So let's take a look at 2 Timothy 2.22 to see what it takes to live your life deliberately. 2 Timothy 2.22, and this is the New Living Translation, says, Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. There are three steps that it takes to live your life deliberately. You must run with the resolve, pursue with the purpose, and connect with companions. Oftentimes, whenever I heard the words youthful lust, my mind automatically went to teenagers struggling with sexual temptations. And it's true. But the more I began to study it, the more I began to get a different perspective youthful lusts. When you first believed in Jesus, in the youth of your faith, what desires or what lusts hindered your walk with Christ? Those are your youthful lusts. Which brings us to the first step, to run with a resolve. I love how the Bible uses the word run. I mean, of all the verbs that imply movement, run is the one that he chose. Did you know that it takes 26 bones 
33 joints and 112 ligaments, all working together in your feet to make you run, and that's just in your feet. Running expresses such a distinct act of will. It's a very intentional exercise that engages every part of your body. So last summer, I went on an outreach to Southeast Asia, and the last country we went to was Cambodia. Well, one evening, my friend Anessa and I were walking down a dirt road, and we looked behind us and noticed that there was a cow following us. Now, in Cambodia, cows roaming around is completely normal. It's a part of the culture. You know, in America, we like our chicken free-range. Well, Cambodians like their beef free-range. So we didn't think anything of it until something happened that took us completely off guard. I don't know what we did to upset this cow, but it just charged after us. Now, I've heard so many inspirational and motivational stories of missionaries on the missions field. You know, they give their life for the gospel. But for some reason, getting hit by a cow and dying wasn't all that inspirational. <laughs> so we booked it. Our feet were pounding against the ground and launching us forward with such a great force. Our legs stretched far apart, covering as much distance as we could. Our arms were swinging back and forth and back and forth, and their eyes were fixed ahead. Every single part of our body was determined and resolved to get us away from that cow. You must run with determination from anything hindering your walk with Christ. Stop accepting those things as normal and resolve in your heart to not let them come against you. And if they do, you run. You run with all your spirit, with all your mind, with all of your will and all of your emotion. And you don't run out of cowardice or fear, but you run from a resolve so deep that no compromise is worth it. The second step to live your life deliberately is to pursue with a purpose. The word doesn't stop at pursue. It says pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. It is so crucial that we redirect our momentum towards something rather than just going for it. A group of German scientists put together an experiment in which they had three groups of volunteers. The first group they placed in a forest and they told them, to keep walking in the same direction. The second group they placed in a desert and told them to keep walking in the same direction. And the third group they placed in an open field and said, keep walking in the same direction. And all three groups were able to keep walking in the same direction as long as the sun was out. But the moment that the sun was hidden by the clouds, the groups began to wander in huge circles without even realizing it they were convinced that they were walking in a straight line. At the end of the experiment, the director said this, people cannot walk in a straight line without having absolute references. You must be intentional in your pursuit of Christ. God has not left you to figure this out on your own. So stop wandering around looking for what God might have for you and pursue the things that God does have for you. Pursue righteous living, pursue faithfulness, pursue love and pursue peace. Because the moment that you stop intentionally pursuing is the moment that you will begin to compromise. The third and final step to live your life deliberately is to connect with companions. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Connecting with other believers is one of the most effectual aspects of Christianity. The dynamic of different people coming together for a common purpose makes growth inevitable. There's a man from my home church, and his name is J.D. And as a young boy, J.D. was abused, and this led to a life of drug abuse and gang activity, and eventually imprisonment. 
But while J.D. was in prison, he gave his heart to Christ. He turned his back on the drugs and on the violence. Well, a few years later, J.D. was released from prison, but he couldn't help but experience this deep sense of loneliness. He no longer had the drugs to turn to or the gangs for family. He was alone. But that's when J.D. found the Victory Church. And at the Victory Church, J.D. connected with the pastors there, and he got involved in different ministries. He began to deal with the things from his past and grow deeper in the things of God. But his favorite part about it all was the fellowship. If you were to ask him to describe the church in one word, he'd say that they're family. Because of the companionship that he's created, he no longer walks in fear of falling back into the drugs or the violence, but rather he lives every day on purpose, knowing that he has people walking this life out beside him. You need to connect. Connect with people that you can do life with and enjoy it. This walk of faith was meant to be a fun adventure. Plug into a church, this church, where you can grow and go deeper into the things of God. As we end here today, know that you were not created to be a wanderer, but you have been called to live your life intentionally. So run with the resolve from anything hindering your relationship with Christ and pursue with a purpose. Direct your momentum towards righteous living, towards faithfulness, towards love, and towards peace. And connect with companions. Enjoy this journey with other believers. In every conversation that you have, during every activity, and with every person, remember to live. Live your life deliberately. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Jamika. Huh? That's pretty good. That's really good. She's from Mississippi, and she's brilliant. Well, I heard about a teacher who asked a student, how do you spell Mississippi, and the student said, the river or the state? <laughs> Fantastic, Jamika. Great, great job tonight. Wasn't that an awesome word? Yeah. Beautiful. I think, I think she's got potential. <laughs> Since you're talking about plugging into this church, uh, I want to just extend that invitation to you, Jamaica. All right. So, amen. Good stuff. Have you been blessed tonight? Yeah. Me too. Me too. Why don't we stand together? I want to just pray over you tonight. Let me ask you something. Is there anyone here um, who has a physical need? You've got an infirmity, sickness, chronic pain, whatever, any kind of thing that is hindering your total health and wholeness. Would you just raise your hand where you are right now? Does anybody here? Or, or let me just say this. I want to extend it a little bit. You, you want to stand in for a family member or a friend, somebody that you know? Would you just raise your hand where you are right now? Okay, if you're around someone who has their hand up, can you just gather around them? Just go place your hand gently on them. And we're just going to agree together in Jesus' name. You know, one of the big reasons, listen, listen, we, 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 keep, we want to keep an emphasis on our right to healing. We we are convinced that we're forgiven of all of our sins, right? And we're In the same afternoon, in the same afternoon, blood was shed for our sins. 
Stripes were put on his back for our healing. It was all one work. So we receive that tonight in Jesus' name. Just as sure, Lord, as you have forgiven our sins, you have healed our diseases. You have healed our sickness. We thank you, Jesus. The Word of God says that surely He has borne our sickness and disease and our maladies and calamities and carried our sorrows and our pains. He bore it. The reason He bore it, so that we wouldn't have to. Surely He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. And we thank You, Lord, that this healing is a covenant that was cut in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, that He bears covenant marks today, right now, on His body, ensuring that we have healing in the name of Jesus. So I command now a healing invasion to invade all of these bodies right now in Jesus' name and to destroy every work of the devil, to destroy everything that is contrary to healing, that every tissue and every cell and every fiber of their being would thrive at peak proficiency in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, can we just give him a praise right now and thank him right now that it's finished. Thank him right now that it's done. Because we believe that when we pray, we believe that we lay hands on the sick, they recover. We believe that when we pray the prayer of agreement, Jesus said, if two or three agree as touching anything, it shall be done. So we've touched a few of those bases tonight. Amen. We want to go down every avenue to receive healing, and God has provided lots of avenues. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Just lift your hands to heaven now. Father, I thank you for your people. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing upon them, that they're blessed and they're coming in, and they are blessed now and they're going out. I thank you, Lord, that everything their hands touch shall prosper. You've made them to be the head and not the tail above only and never beneath. First, not last, victors, no longer victims. Father, I thank you, Lord, that all of their children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be their peace. I declare over them, no evil shall befall them, and no plague shall come near their dwelling. You give your angels charge over them to keep them in all their ways. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that no weapon formed against them will prosper, and every tongue that rises against them in judgment, they shall condemn. Lord, I thank you they're blessed wherever they go. Wherever they go, Lord, they are the righteous in the earth, and as where they go, there's a shield around them called the favor of God that goes before them. It surrounds them. And I thank you, Father God, that they have favor with God and man in the name of Jesus. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Oh, and by the way, tonight you will both lie down in peace and sleep for he alone he alone causes you to dwell in safety in Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed. We'll see you Sunday. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.